Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. 14 minutes to 8, of course, a very sort of special Friday in some ways, a normal Friday in others. The Passenger Rail Agency of South Africa, Prasa, saying now it'll spend around 50 billion rand over the next few years on new trains and new railways. In other words, it's going to be spending 22% more on infrastructure every year for the next period. And you'll remember railways stolen during the pandemic, Prasa withdrawing its security guards, the finding by the State Capture Commission that the corruption at Prasa was so bad there should just be a special commission into Prasa was one of their recommendations. Well, the CEO at Prasa uh, is Hisham Emerin. Imagine taking over Prasa in this position. Hisham, good morning. Thanks for coming in. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to your listeners. First, you're going to be spending a huge amount of money. Now, look, you need to spend the money, okay? What are you going to spend it on? As you've mentioned, Stephen, uh, it's about the modernization of the railway line, uh, the railway system, as well as recovering those corridors that were impacted through the the, the period of the pandemic. Uh, We have recovered 26 corridors already out of the 40 that we operated pre-COVID, so to speak. Uh, and then the modernization, the new trains, we are redoing the signaling systems, our telecommunication systems as well, as well as modernizing our depots. Um, so where's it coming from? We've got a medium-term budget policy statement next week. The finance minister is probably going to announce spending cuts. Where are you getting the money from? Well, in terms of our medium-term expenditure framework, the allocation uh, through that process, we've got approximately close to $35-40 billion that's included within the MTF. This year, as we're speaking, we've got a budget and allocation of $12.9 billion that we are we're well underway to spend the budget. And then from the previous years, there are some rollover funds that were not spent that we will be uh, accelerating in terms of recovering these corridors. So five years from now, talk me through the experience of using your trains. What will it be like? It's an exciting period we are going through. Yes, there are challenges in rail, but as I've indicated earlier, we are now fully recovering and modernizing. We want to focus on the modernization of the railway system. You would have seen the new trains that we have launched, uh, Stephen. It's been well received by the commuters. The commuters want more of these trains. These are modern trains, not only in South Africa, but around the world in terms of the technology. And we are building these trains in South Africa. We are not importing these trains. It's been built in the factory here in Gauteng, in Nigel. The other systems that we want to include is around the, the, the customer experience, making it a customer-centric service. So in terms of uh, digitizing the the system, ticketing systems that we want to start rolling out. And you did indicate five years. This is not happening overnight. It's a process that we are rolling out, but we've got the plans in, in, in place in turning this railway system around. I mean, the world's changing. I mean, one of the ways we see it is that, you know, I hardly ever use cash. I pay for everything with my cell phone, and this is part of it. What it means for you is that if you've got better signaling, you can actually run more trains on the same railways more safely. If you're able to reduce the amount of cable and you do things wirelessly, that's got to help you as well. Some of this new technology must be quite exciting. It's very exciting, and the signaling one, as you mentioned, Currently, we are running trains every 30 minutes to one hour, Mm. which is not a a mass transport Mm. system. With the signaling systems that we are rolling out, it will give us the capability of running a train every three to five minutes, if needs be, if the demand is there. And that's what we're pushing for. Very importantly, with the strategy that that PRASA is rolling out, we want to ensure we provide a better service for the captive market that we do have at rail. But through this modernization is to also attract other users those that have a choice between other modes of transport to make rail their mode of choice. Um, There's so many other issues. I mean, we saw during the pandemic how railways literally disappeared. There's an informal settlement, you know, shacks built uh, right next to sort of on railways. Recovering all of that track, getting all of that working, it's a huge job. 
How's that going? It is a huge job. Uh, as we speak across the country, you will see construction recovery happening uh, in all of our regions. Uh, we, we sometimes make the comment at Pras that we're probably one of the biggest contractors in the country at the moment. Last year we spent uh, over 13 billion. This year we're on track to spend that uh, budget again. And as you've mentioned in your opening remarks, 50 billion within the next three to four years. We've got contractors on all of these corridors that we are recovering. These are the electrical infrastructure that we are dealing with, station upgrades. And then we want to, one program that has been delayed significantly is around our depot modernization. This year we want to see us start rolling out the depot program. And then very importantly, the signaling, as you've mentioned, is the one that is a priority on our side. Is corruption still an issue? There's been so much sort of um, corruption at Prasa. There were criminal gangs. We saw, you know, the theft. We saw the removal. I realize this was before your time. We saw the sort of removal of the security guards just before the pandemic, which looking back looks looks like a criminal act. There was the tour trains. There was the findings of the State Capture Commission. Uh, do you worry about corruption still at Prasa? It is an issue that's been taken very seriously. First, talking from an internal perspective uh, through the board of Prasa management, uh, we've put in place the right policies and controls, checks and balances to, to make sure that uh, we don't see a repeat of some of the things that happened in the past. And then secondly, what you're referring to the external factors, we've rolled out an integrated security strategy to address the issue of theft and vandalism. And it's starting, starting to uh, reveal some positive uh, returns. We've seen a reduction both in terms of security incidents as well as uh, safety incidents. I think what people want to know is the mm. 50 billion rand. Is it going to be properly spent? We've got the controls and, and balances in place. As, as we've indicated, we have to follow the normal procurement processes. Um, and this is something that we are taking very seriously. The, 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 when I indicate the, the budget that we are spending, it's in terms of following due process. Mm -hmm. We are also going through a uh, very uh, rigid audit process with the AG, and we've put a lot of effort this year to ensure we, we close some of those things that were identified in the past. You're aware we've had three years of disclaimers in terms of uh, from the AG. Uh, in the next two or three weeks, we'll be getting the response from the AG. Uh, and, and certainly there's a lot of effort that has gone in from the team in turning some of these things around. One of the issues from the time now, I just want to repeat, this was before you became the CEO, but you know some of the legacy issues, you come and take over an organization, you have to run them. I'm talking about the whistleblower, Martha Ngoish. So she was the head of legal services during this era. She blew the whistle on some of the corruption. Disciplinary action was taken against her. She won an arbitration against Prasa. She wants to go back to work now. Prasa, as I understand it, is going to the labor court. It may be a board decision, not your decision. But there's all, I mean, why does Prasa want to keep someone like Martha Ngoi, who blew the whistle on corruption, why do you want to keep her out? Okay, Stephen, I'm not going to go into the detail on, on the specific mm. case. What I will say is, because there's others as well that, it, that have also mm. been impacted, it's been in the media in terms of uh, the length of, of some of these disciplinary cases that have been dragging on. What I can indicate is that, uh, firstly, we want to ensure this, these things do not drag uh, any further. Uh, and the board has set up a special task team. I'm on the task team as well, together with some of the board members, to ensure that we get to a point where we can close these cases. We have made some progress in the last uh, three weeks on, on many of them, and hopefully uh, by the end of the month, early November, we can start uh, at least uh, 
giving some feedback on the progress in that regard. Okay, but can you see how it looks? So you've got a person who blew the whistle, right? I mean, publicly proclaimed. We have a president who says we must protect whistleblowers. And she just wants to come back and do her job. And we know from her from, from previous experience that she is the kind of person that if you're going to spend 50 billion rand, you'd want her there. And yet it seems that Pras is trying to keep her out. Can you see how that looks? I understand what you are raising, uh, Stephen. That's how it looks to the, to the, I think, to the public, what is out there. But due process is being followed. There is a case that is underway on that thing. But I don't do you want to keep appealing yeah. arbitrations. I mean, that's what that's what doesn't make sense to me. I realize that yeah. other people have made some of these decisions, mm. uh, but Hisham, we don't get to speak to people of Prasa very often. But my point is that it mm. just it you know you want to spend fifty billion rand. Good, you need to spend it. You need to spend it properly. Here we have a whistleblower, and she's being kept out. Uh, at this point in time, Stephen, I think let's not go into further detail on this one. I think I've indicated there's a process that needs to be followed. It's also being handled, I think, at, at, at a different level as well uh, in terms of dealing with this matter. I think we will we will give feedback at, in due course in terms of how this matter is being handled. In due course. We'll be in touch with your people <laughs> yeah. to make sure that they're available. Um, mm. There are a few other issues around PRASA. One of them is just the sheer scale of the organization, the sheer scale of it. I mean, it's astonishing. What people don't, what we sort of don't realize is how much of our lives have moved off rail, particularly in the Western Cape and Gauteng, and onto the roads. What kind of society do you think South Africa will be if that is reversed? If a woman on her own, a young woman, feels safe, my daughter going to school, feels safe going on one of your railways. I mean, the kind of prospects for how our society changes would be magnificent. Absolutely. And we're seeing that starting to happen, Stephen. We've been on many of the corridors that we have launched, We've engaged with the commuters. Just recently, we have gave, engaged with a few of the scholars that are on the train. Um, and, and the questions they are raising now is different to what was raised in the past. What they are raising now is, when are we getting Wi-Fi on the train? <laughs> because you find that everyone on the train, young, old, feels safe enough to pull their phone out on the train, mm. which was perhaps something different in the past. So it shows that the, the service is a lot more safe. They are, they are returning in numbers on where we have launched. We've seen a steady increase in terms of the passenger numbers. We are nowhere near what we were in the past in terms of passenger numbers. Mm. You have raised things that have changed since the lockdown and so forth, travel patterns, travel behavior. But certainly where we've relaunched the corridors, you've seen the passengers return in numbers. Um, and the city of Cape Town wanting to take over some of your network, also, again, above your pay grade. Oh, I don't know if you earn more than the minister or not. I'm not going to ask you that now. But, um, you know, that's really a political decision. Do you worry that you may lose control of some of your network? The city of Cape Town seems determined on this. I'm not losing any sleep on that, nor are the team at Parasa. We've got a job to do, uh, Stephen. We're an implementing agent. Uh, we need to bring back rail, recover and rebuild the mm. system. The policy discuss- discussions, the institutional restructuring, those discussions will happen. But whether there's a change or not, you need to recover, you need to rebuild, and you need to modernize the rail system. Hisham Emerim, I really appreciate you coming in. I know it's not easy to ask questions as a CEO, to answer questions as a CEO of Process. So thank you very much indeed.